The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's with me today. Uh, Cooley will be back tomorrow, so we'll get Cooley's thoughts on Curtis Samuel tomorrow. And there may be another player at that point. Washington doing it late night style this week, Tommy. Monday night, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tuesday night, William Jackson the third, And last night, Curtis Samuel. Um, I will weigh in. Tommy will as well on Curtis Samuel here uh, in a few minutes. Um, I can just tell you I'm excited about the signing. I like the player a lot. I like all three players that they've signed so far. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. It does not cost you anything. All right, Subscribing just immediately when the show is done sends the show to your phone. It's not taking up any space. It just helps us if you subscribe. It also helps us if you rate the show and review it wherever you are listening to it, whichever platform you're listening to it on. If the rating and reviewing ability exists, if you could do that for us, that would be great as well. We always appreciate uh, that. Um, so, now listen, yeah, everybody out there, you want to get in on the ground floor of this podcast because... When they're in the Super Bowl next year, it's <laughs> going to be hard to be able to subscribe. And we're, we're, they're going to hit their limit. You know, everything's going to explode. Mm-hmm. And when you want to listen to the podcast then, you're not going to be able to get in on it. So get in now <laughs> while, while on, the, on the ground floor. Oh, I, okay? knew, I knew this was going to be a part of the show today. I knew it based on... Um, a couple of text messages and emails Tommy has sent me over the last couple of days with various comments from various people, which we won't go into in great detail. But yeah, I... The tail-eating squad! Apparently, they have... The Lombardi Trophy will be um, available for all people to view in the lobby. The 2022 Super Bowl Lombardi Trophy will be available in the lobby of Redskin Park. I'm sorry, of Washington Football Team Park in Ashburn next week. Um, they're shipping it from wherever uh, it, it, it comes from. Where's the Super Bowl next year? Where is it? Because I would start booking reservations right now for hotels because we should have fans back then. Um, you know, back yes. uh, uh, available to go to games. Where is the Super Bowl in 2022? 
I'm looking it up right I now. Don't know. It is in LA. It's at SoFi Stadium, the Rams' new stadium in LA. Um, which you know what, Tommy? Pretty good city for a Super Bowl. Uh, I would yeah. listen uh, right now as we speak. From what I hear through my contacts in the NFL, <laughs> Russell Wilson is shaking in his boots at the idea of facing Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Justin Herbert, he's on his knees yeah. in fear. God, you're picking Pat two teams Mahomes, that are nowhere near. He's going to run the other way, okay? Tom Brady, he's going to say, wow, the guy I took over for, the God, you know? Dak Prescott, he's not even going to take the field against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. He's going to be too scared. Okay. Derek Carr, mm-hmm. uh Aaron Rodgers, go through all of Matt them? Ryan, mm-hmm. losers. Did you say losers, Tom Brady? All of them. Did you say Tom Brady? Yes, I did. Okay. I see. I see. He's he's going to be so happy to be able to face his mentor, the guy he took over for mm-hmm. in Tampa. Okay. Uh, are you done? No, I'm not done, but I'll take a break. <laughs> okay. You know, so over the last couple of days. I first of all, the first thing I do during free agency is I, I I like I enjoy it. I like to see what teams are doing, um, and I am very optimistic about the three additions that Washington has made so far. I'm very optimistic about them, and we'll get to Curtis Samuel because we've already already covered the other two this week. I also have recognized have recognized just how excited many are in the fan base and many are in the media right now. There is a lot of cheerleading going on. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But you know what, Tommy? Yeah. I was thinking about this because I had a feeling you were going to bring this up. It's, you know, even for some of the people in the media, they don't even remember when free agency became almost like this time of year became almost a running joke with this football team. That's even a long time ago at this point. The NFL is still super popular, and to have a good team or to have the percept to, to, to perceive that they're going to have a, a good team and to be excited about that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get into the journalistic thing. I'm talking about more of the people who are in the media that you know do similar things to what we do or I do anyway, which is you can be a fan. You're not a reporter. Um, you're not supposed to be objective. I don't have a problem with people getting a little bit carried away. It's better than the alternative. It's a nice change. Like I didn't know it was one or I didn't know it was one or the other. Um, it's only been the other for a lot of the time. But I didn't know you could only be uh, a cheerleader or, or a, a rip job. I, I thought there was like a happy medium in between. I didn't say like recognizing I, that that they could be good, but the reality is they have a lot to overcome. Well, you're talking about the responsibility of someone who's a journalist. I'm talking about those... I'm talking about an intelligent human being who looks at his football team. But, Tommy, some of these people, okay, and I'm not. I'm certainly not going to attack the, the intelligence. Some of them haven't had that, that, you know, ability to be super optimistic. They just want a division. They've got a new head coach. They've got an organization that's changing. And right now, even the national pundits are just lauding, complimenting beyond belief free agency for Washington so far. And they have done a good job. 
You know, oh, here's what yes, I they have. Here's They've what done I done a very good job. What I recognize is, uh, you know, not to try to fit into what you just described. I recognize there's a big difference between what happens this time of year and what happens on Sundays and Monday nights next year. They're going to go ahead and play the games anyway. They're <laughs> despite the success here in free agency and that just scintillating seven and nine playoff season. They're going to go ahead and play the games next year anyway, and that's what I enjoy. I like the games. This time of year, it's interesting to me. I like to see what teams do and have an opinion, you know, and I usually do, but I like the games and I realize that they that they're not they're they're not that much closer to a Super Bowl because of this offseason than they were, you know, a week or two ago. First of all, the NFC is loaded, and it's loaded with teams with really good quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, like, uh, like you know, I, I think Matt Stafford in L.A., like these Russell Wilson in Seattle, if he remains in Seattle, Dak Prescott in Dallas, and even though I am really, really excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick, I am much more so than you are. I think we may be getting a guy that's on the verge of maybe the best two, you know, year or two of his career at the end of his career. And that's what I'm hoping for. But I do see that some people are getting a little bit carried away and a little bit, you know, but I, I'm okay with it because a lot of these people have never even experienced the euphoria of a Washington football franchise spending spree in free agency. That's like 10 years ago. Some of these people are young enough where they don't even know about no, they, that. Look, they brought in, they brought in Landon Collins. They brought in Josh Norman. They have spent nah, not like it, players. Not like it used to be. Not, and by the way, they, no, but, but they haven't gone nuts like, spending don't anyway. Don't act like they've been shopping at Kmart. They have been. Here I am dating myself. They Walmart. pretty much No, what I just mentioned, yeah. two guys that they bought at Tiffany's, not at Walmart. Yeah, they, they Bruce Allen pretty much was bargain bin shopping at Target but, look at, don't, don't year do in this. and year out. Respond to what I just said. Landon Collins, yeah. Josh Norman, De- bargain it, basement. No, the exceptions to the rule of the last 10 years. So so they've experienced some of it. Yeah, but, that, I mean, you're not talking – first of all, by the way, that's not what this is either. It's not like they're on a big spending spree. They just got the top but, corner, and they got one of the better receivers, and they got a quarterback that's intriguing. They're not They're not overspending the market by 20%. I'm comparing – That's a different the, argument. I'm comparing the, the last 10 years to the 10 years that preceded it. And one of and them, one of them, one of them was a guy years. with a, passing out a hat, you know, in the congregation, and the other one was basically throw, you know, throwing hundred dollar bills at a strip bar. It, that that that's the comparison of the first ten years of Snyder and Vinny to the last ten years of Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen. But don't make it seem like these fans have been walking through the desert when it comes to free agency. Well, they have comparatively They've experienced the euphoria. Comparatively, you you answer the question. Price. You answer yeah, the question. So you Compared, say, you're saying they don't remember what happened before. Some of the you're people out there that are experience it. Some of the people you know, that you're just doing this to fit your argument. <laughs> don't act like they've been just doing this. I mean, they have spent money on free agents. Tommy. People have not been one like this is not a, a new thing for for fans. 
So this notion that they get excited over it because they never experienced before is not right. Okay. Slow down. Number one, my comparison, you have not changed my mind. I know what Bruce Allen did versus the 10 years before. Washington was not a a big spender or an active participant in free agency at a super high level compared to the first 10 years. Apples and oranges. Secondly, what I'm referring to to some people is that, look, in the last five years, call it, social media has really allowed – A lot of people who would not have had a job or an ability to to attract an audience to opine on the team. And I think a lot of those people are younger, and I think a lot of those people certainly, I'm not suggesting they don't, you know, they weren't alive for it, but I think it's not as fresh in their memories or as vivid in their memories as it is for some of us who are much older. We have a lot of people a lot of people that are new to the Washington football team, I don't want to call the media base because that might really turn you off, but people who have opinions and are, 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 are now in a position to express those opinions and have people consume them. It's a, it's a much different time than it was 10 years ago or even five years ago. And I think a lot of those people are young, they're excited, and I'm glad because I would rather have some optimism and have people excited about the team than what we've had at times, which is basically nobody even paying attention to the team in recent years. There is definitely an increase over the last several months, you know, of renewed interest, increased interest in the team again. And so I'm okay with that. I'm not going to sit here and knock it, even though I understand this. what's happened here isn't necessarily, you know, the grounds for, uh, you know, making reservations in L.A. for, the, for next year's Super Bowl. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more realistic than that. I think they are improving their team, and I want them to continue to do this year, you know, year after year. But there are six teams in the NFC right now that I would pick before I would pick them um, to, to get to the Super Bowl. At le- certainly five teams minimum, maybe six. But anyway, um, what else do you have on this? What else is what else is bothering you? Well, uh, the the infatuation and by national media members too, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Look, that Washington signed a, a wide receiver in Curtis Samuel that is, is a terrific target. Uh, and alongside Terry McLaurin, he should make McLaurin better. And it, it's very enticing. And they signed a quality cornerback that should make their defense better. And he should be even better with uh, the front four that Washington has. That's all good. But the Ryan Fitzpatrick infatuation is just stunning. I think it's, roman- it's a romantic illusion mm. is what it is. For one thing, how many, how many NFL teams do you think out there looked at the free agency board this year and said, who were looking to upgrade quarterback, and said, we need to go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. How many? I have no idea. So more than, more than one. A lot? More than one. Okay, more than one. Yeah. That's, I, I agree with you. Okay. Probably more than one. But most teams did not think Ryan Fitzpatrick was an upgrade at their quarterback position. Oh, I, that, that's, th- that's a different thing. 
That's a different thing because when I say more than one team, and I would certainly say less than several, um, you a lot of those teams don't have an answer, but they have a better chance of finding an answer here in this offseason, okay. whether it be through the draft okay, or, yeah. or another a, way. They have a better path they have to a be- change. That's right. So the Washington yeah. didn't have you know the path to you know um, a, a, a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance more likely. Than I understand. Not. Okay. I agree with you. Okay. You know they're better pro- with him, probably a quarterback. But I mean, this 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 notion that that they're going to light it up. I mean, this guy had in 2018 in Tampa. He had Mike Evans, he had Chris Godwin, he had Deshaun Jackson, he had O.J. Howard. And he went 2-5 and five in the games he started. Yeah. Now, there's obviously extenuating circumstances. There always are in every situation. But he had better weapons in Tampa, and they didn't light it up in Tampa in 2018. Um, the that, other thing is, yes. do you think, let me finish. I am. Do you think that Alex Smith is a better quarterback uh Take, the, take out the notion that you, you think he can't play because of his leg. Based on, based on what uh, they put out there last year, do you think Alex Smith is a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick? Wait a minute. Am I comparing this past season's Alex Smith to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Or am I comparing Alex Smith at his best pre-injury to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Okay, Alex Smith at his best pre-injury. Yeah, because, I mean... When you ask that question, in 2016 or 2017 or 2018, if somebody said you can trade for Alex Smith or you can pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick for you know not a lot of money or whatever, I would have taken Alex Smith. I would have taken Alex Smith. If you're asking me if okay. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been better for this team last year and they would have had a more dynamic offense, I think 100% yes. Do I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick – they have won – how could they have won more games than when they did with, with Alex Smith? He won five game, five and one for them. Well, I, again, you know this notion that just the quarterback is responsible for for winning the games to me is limiting. But I think he was a significant contributor. I do. And so, which games? Well, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick could have potentially started against Seattle and Carolina and won one of those two games, if not both of those games. You know, they're, they're, they're the two games that they lost down the stretch that almost cost them this division that could have been won by basically you and me and like 40 other of our friends. So, yeah, I, I, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick, they would have been a better team offensively with Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacking them. Just like I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, okay. had he quarterbacked the Dolphins this year for all 16 games, would have been a playoff team. But, uh, but, but it's not a given. But it's you, not a given. But to your point, okay, and going back to Tampa, and we can go back to some of the Buffalo team games and some of the Jet teams that he was on, et cetera, you know, th- there wasn't any point between 2010 and 2018 pre-injury that I would have taken Ryan Fitzpatrick before Alex Smith. I think that's fair. But that's not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking but, about – Okay, a- let's, let's take Alex Smith last year. I still think it's arguable. I don't. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick okay. would have been much better for this team. And look, I mean, t- Taylor Heineke actually plays like Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's a lot of similarities. Taylor Heineke 
Ryan Trump. Fitzpatrick is not it's not that mobile. Not at 39. Oh yeah, he is. He's very mobile. He's very good ex- at extending plays. Is, okay. is he is he Lamar Jackson? No. Is he Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? No, I'm not saying that. But he's really good. Not even Kyle Allen. Um, uh, Kyle Allen is is pretty elusive and pretty mobile. You know, yes. uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick can move, Tommy. And I, but when I say move, he's very elusive. He's got great vision, spatial vision. He ducks. He extends. He's really good at okay. that. Alex Smith this and the a, 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 what? This is a, a romantic notion of the gunslinger, and the reality doesn't necessarily bear it out. My well, point on the Alex Smith thing, and I think it's debatable still. I think you're also over. I think that. I think you're overrating the romanticizing. I think that people are uh, interested, intrigued, think that he's going to be a fun. A lot of people think that it's just about fun. He's going to be more fun than anything they've had. But a lot of people have a lot of concerns about Ryan Fitzpatrick being the number one quarterback. Really? I haven't read any of those concerns. Oh, I, I mean, Not I, one. Yeah, I've had a lot of them, certainly on the radio show, taking calls and, and interactions like that. Now, 75% of the people were thumbs up in, in the poll that I had that had like 5,000 votes. So it was 75-25. I think actually I have been more bullish and more excited and more intrigued on how much he can impact their ability to win than even the people that are, that think they're just going to have fun watching him. I think it's going to be more than having fun watching him. I think he's going to be um, the best quarterback uh, for them since Kirk Cousins was here. That's not saying much. That would mean he would be better than Alex Smith 2018. Alex Smith was not good in 2018. That's right. Okay, so you need to amend what you said before. No, it's two different but things. You included 2018 no, in that. I, no, two, yes, di- you did. two different things. I said if you told me in 2018, you know, would I take Alex Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Ryan Fitzpatrick was still, and still is to this day, a journeyman. But the difference is he's coming off the two best years of his career. He's had two and had an excellent season this year and and was pretty good when he came in for a terrible team in 2019 that, by the way, was trying to tank, and then all of a sudden with him they started to win some games. That's why they ended up drafting Tua Tungavailoa instead of having the chance to draft Joe Burrow. But if you told me, like, prior to 2018, I'm not talking about the, you know, after I saw Alex Smith, going from 2010 to 2018, do I get a shot at trading for Alex Smith or you know, picking up Ryan Fitzpatrick, I would have traded for Alex Smith. But now, okay, yeah. So he's a journeyman. Yeah, well, he what ha- do we know about journeymen? The more you put them out there, the more they're going to be exposed. Mm-hmm. How many career years do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick has in him? Rich Gannon. Rich, Rich Gannon was a journeyman. Um, Trent Green, to a certain extent, not at the same level as Rich Gannon. Was a journey. You, let, me, let me get you a you've, bigger you've shovel. Had, you've, so had you journey, you've had journeymen before in the league end up finding it have. later. Yeah. Yes, you have. Yeah. But the odds are not with it. No. Just like the odds aren't with Taylor Heineke becoming Kurt Warner. Absolutely. Either. Yeah. But it is interesting. I'll, I'll never forget this quote that uh, Ron Rivera said that he thinks that Kyle Allen could have done what Alex Smith did last year. That's right. 
Always keep that in mind when you're thinking that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to automatically be the starter on this team. So let, let me ask you this, because as the season went on, and even postseason, you have become, if I'm describing this inaccurately, you'll say it, you've become more of a believer in Ron Rivera and staff, right? That's... Yes, I have, but I wasn't necessarily a disbeliever okay. in Ron Rivera before. Okay, so there is some belief in Ron Rivera for the first time, you know, in terms of a Washington staff in a while. And so why do you think that they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though they like Kyle Allen and think Kyle Allen would have done the same thing that Alex Smith did? That, that may be as much of an indictment about Alex Smith as it is you know, an endorsement of Kyle Allen. But why do you think that Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, by the way, Marty Herney, and, and Martin Mayhew, why do you think they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, again, this is just a guess. I have no particular information on this, but I think I hit on it last podcast. Oh, boy. When I suggested that he, they, they may be worried about him being healthy enough to be ready to play okay. this year, even though all reports are coming back from this dislocated ankle that he will be ready for training camp. There may be some concerns about that. There may be some concerns about his durability. Legitimate concerns. Yeah, there should be about both of them that yes, were here. I know, right? Legitimate concerns. Okay, so you think it? You, you think that that's the the primary reason that? Let's just say that Kyle Allen, you know, um, that that he recovered quickly, and there was no doubt that Kyle Allen was going to be ready for the very first mini camp. All the OTAs, he was going to take every snap. You think they would have signed Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, considering that I don't think there was a lot of competition to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, and even if you feel great about Kyle Allen, there's not a lot of, of back-of-the-baseball card information to back you up, they still might have done it as, as, as a hedge bet. I think the, the one thing, and I don't know anything, um, the, the guess that I had yesterday, by the way, with Cooley um, – and I forget what your position on this was, but the Connor Hughes report from The Athletic, he covers the Jets, that Washington was still, even after signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, considering um, and interested in Sam Darnold. Um, though That report was shot down um, by, I think, multiple people yesterday that Washington, and that would have surprised me. Cooley thought it, that it was very much still in play um, as well. Um, I did not. I, I just don't see them drafting a quarterback in the first two rounds or trading for a quarterback that's a quarterback of the future. And by the way, some very good um, tweets that suggested Sheehan isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick exactly the kind of quarterback you would sign and then go after your quarterback of the future. I think that in many ways that that's true um, in most cases, but I just don't personally think that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be here if the possibility existed that he was going to be a bridesmaid, that he was going to mentor a guy for half a season and then hand the team over to him. I just I don't I don't think he's here, and unless that there's some understanding that you're our starting quarterback next year. 
You know, we're giving you a chance to do this here at 39 years old. You've played very well the last two years. Miami was probably premature in starting the Tuatunga Bailoa era. They should have kept you in there. They would have been in the postseason um, with you. And we think that you're joining a team that's similar, really good young defense, maybe more weapons offensively. We're going to get you more, too. Um, and maybe, you know, and, and you're our plan. I just, that's my feeling that they wouldn't be here if, um, he wouldn't be here if they were going after their quarterback of the future. Um, in rounds. My feeling is that, uh, he, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't believe had a lot of options. Right. Uh, for starting and looked at this as the path of least resistance. So what I was, I I, mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick would retire if he didn't think he could beat out Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. So what any you, any NFL player in their own mind would say, if I can't beat out these two guys, I shouldn't be an NFL quarterback. So what you're saying um, is certainly in play. I would add to that that I but I don't I don't agree with it. I disagree with it. You, my my position is he wouldn't be here unless there is some sort of an understanding understanding that he is going to have a chance to start 16 games for this team this year and and do what he's never done before which is take a pretty decent team not a super bowl caliber team necessarily but a pretty decent team you know hopefully to the postseason but the what i was going to say was it would disappoint me ultimately if i found out and i'm not discounting this as a possibility but it would disappoint me if ultimately I found out that the bottom line was Washington was the only team willing to pay him 10 10 million bucks for one season. And he figured, shit, uh, you know, I'll take the 10 million from them. If they end up drafting somebody and it's the same situation as I had last year, hopefully they'll do the right thing this time. Um, But, you know, yeah, Heineke and Allen, I should be able to beat them out anyway and prove to them that, you know, I'm I'm the guy. But I don't – that would disappoint me, but I don't think that that's what happened. I think it's going to be very interesting when they introduce Fitzpatrick or when Ron Rivera speaks about the Fitzpatrick signing for the first time. Cooley thinks there's a chance – that Rivera will just come out and say, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick to be our starter next year. You know, the the intangibles, the leadership that Alex provided last year, we get in Ryan Fitzpatrick next year, but we also get a guy that's coming off, you know, arguably the best year, uh, best year and a half, two years of his career. And and we think he's a perfect fit for what we're doing. I don't. And I think, yeah. basic, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. I think he's going to speak about competition. Yeah, I, I, especially since he, he one of his one of his things he talked about in the postseason was one of his biggest mistakes was not having a quarterback competition in training camp last year. Something that you think was impossible, and you still think is is basically impossible. Do you think it's impossible for any NFL team to have a quarterback competition based on the length of training camp anymore? No, 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 no. I was saying two things. One. I think last year it was really hard to have a legitimate quarterback competition where coaches um, could really evaluate without real training camp and without any preseason games. But my point was about a normal offseason, I think it's really hard to go into a training camp with a three-quarterback race 
for a starter. It, they're just, I agree with that. They just typically aren't enough that. reps. So it, it, it's going to be yes. two guys that they're okay. going to have compete, if, if that's what they're going to do, which I don't think if that's, that's what they're, they're going to do. And I think, I, I think, I think he's going to try to do that. I don't. I think he might say that, but again, I think personally there's a 99, 99.999% chance that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter on opening day 2021. I would be very surprised okay. if he isn't, and I would also be very surprised if they drafted a quarterback in the first two rounds or traded for another quarterback, like Sam Darnold as an example. If they did that too. I think you're right. Ryan Fitzpatrick will likely be the starter come opening day. But I'm going to get a little medieval on you here when it comes to Ron Rivera and the truth, and you'll probably think I'm naive. And did you say? Did you say medieval? Did you say say medieval yes, as in as in Zed? And Zed is dead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. All right. Uh, if Ron Rivera comes out and says there's going to be a quarterback competition when he has no intention of really having a quarterback competition, is that a lie? <laughs> no. It's not. It's not a lie. Well, it might be literally, but it's certainly just part of coach speak. It's part okay, of coach. No, it's part coach of coaching. Speak out. Let's talk yeah. you human speak. Okay. You, let's deal with human. Well, speak. they're coaches. Is it? Is it a lie? It's coach speak. So if he st- if if he stands up there and talks about Ryan Fitzpatrick, that there were other teams that were coming after Fitzpatrick, and we were lucky to get him. Could that be a lie? Was it a lie when the agent told him, you know, Ron, you guys better move quickly. We got six teams interested. I get that. The whole business operates on lies. I know that. Like yeah. Mike Shanahan said once, at the very least, this time I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. You it, know? At least that was so, truthful. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, but my point is, if he gets up there and talks about that this was the guy they wanted all along, that they, they had targeted him, and that they had, they were lucky to get him. That there were other teams in on the Ryan Fitzpatrick sweepstakes. We don't know whether to believe any of that, right? No. Why are you? Why are you? I don't, hold on. Hold on. Why are you making a big deal out of the fact that coaches don't all? They don't always tell you literally the truth. They're coaching. They're motivating. I, they're I protecting. They're... I know that. I'm not. I'm not breaking new ground here. Okay, good. So what, why are we wasting each that, other's time that, on this? Well, because Where are you I going? know you. I know you'll put all your all your ducks in a row behind the coach if he says there were ten teams fighting to get Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, I won't. But we were the lucky ones to get him. I wouldn't believe that. That that would be way over the. That's top. an exaggeration to make a point. Uh, well, but I don't. But I don't think. But the, but that's the point. Is is if he says something more matter of factly, um, and it's not uh, an exaggeration, and he doesn't emphasize it, I it, it it's possible that I might buy it. I don't know what I'll buy or won't buy. I'm not going to buy everything. You're suggesting that I'm like an easy sell. Like, I'm an easy mark when it comes to a coach that I like. That may be true with Shanahan, um, but I don't think it's true with Rivera yet. The point is, uh, the bottom line is, uh, when they signed him the other night, I, you know I felt that there, this was in play. I, w- I encouraged it. I was intrigued by it if they struck out on all, any of the big people. I'm excited about this. 
So whether there were 10 teams or three teams or whether he tells me there's a competition or he tells me Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter, my belief is Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start an opening day and barring injury, I think he's going to play well with what they're putting around him and that he's going to start at least 14 games. If they're out of the playoff race with two games left, they may go with the, you know uh, Heineke or, or Allen. But I, I am... I am definitely much more optimistic about the offense because they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. I did a poll today on my show, and I am definitely in the minority in terms of the answer. I just asked a very simple question. Which of the three Washington football signings are you most optimistic about for next year? Okay, not not for the careers, next year. Fitzpatrick, Will Jackson, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel... 51.8%, Jackson 25.5%, Fitzpatrick came in last at 22.6%. I would pick Fitzpatrick. I think Fitzpatrick, first of all, the position's the most important position by far. They didn't have an answer before then, and now I think they have an answer that's more than just fun. I think Fitzpatrick could be a one-year and maybe even a two-year answer at quarterback. And I think he's going to play very well in this system and with what they put around him next year. I do. You're, you you can put me into the category of people that are delusional um, about Ryan Fitzpatrick next year. I am definitely uh, – I'm, I'm more than just intrigued about all the fun we're going to have with what a great soundbite he is or what kind of clothes he's going to wear to the press conference or how he plays, which is as a gunslinger, which he does play very much that way. I think he's going to be good for this team. Really good. You know, God bless you. I'm, I'm so happy that even after all the abuse that you can still be delusional. Well, you know what? In a lot of these situations, I've been right, and in others, I've been wrong. You know, I can tell you this. I'm more optimistic about him playing quarterback on this team next year than I have been about a quarterback since Kirk Cousins. And don't, you know, don't tweet me and say, she and you were all in on Haskins. That's a distortion of the truth. And most of you know that, but some of you don't. I was intrigued with Haskins, and I wanted to see him start in a year that I thought was a throwaway year in terms of being able to compete for anything. I wanted to see him start all 16 games so we knew at the end of this year, do we have somebody or not, because I saw enough in his rookie year to want to see more. That's what I said over and over again. I've seen enough. I see a guy that can make every throw. I see a guy that competes. I see a guy that's got a little bit of gamer in him. There were concerns Okay, a lot of concerns, but I, you're, you're right if you say you were all in on seeing him in 2020. I was. Now, if they had had a really good team coming back, I may have felt differently. But Fitzpatrick is a different conversation. He is capable of playing in the NFL at a very high level, and I'm not saying consistently, but he's capable of playing at a high level, and he's definitely one of these guys that has the intangible stuff that, that Alex Smith obviously had. He is going well, to be a leader, it, and he's going to and, and maybe abs- even a mentor. You know, all that may be true, 
and the way and and what backs that up is his playoff record. Uh, you did this the other day. Did you forget that you did this? The well, other day? I mean, what am I supposed to ignore it? <laughs> you know, like it doesn't exist. Oh, it doesn't exist. Well, what was Kurt Warner's playoff record before? He, well, that's a bad example. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, well, I, I, need, I need. By the way, I, I, I agree with you that you were not, you were not, you know, singing the praises of Dwayne Haskins. You're right. That was a that's a distortion of the truth. If anyone's bringing that up, I agree with you. Oh wow! You know, maybe that's what I need to to uh, refer to when it comes to coaches. It's not. It's not a lie. It's a distortion of the truth. Um, it's an, it's just an exaggeration when people will say to me, you were all in on Haskins. That's just not true. First of all, I didn't, I, I was dead set against them drafting him. What I was definitely, and I was fooled and I admit this, I thought I saw something in the games that he played his rookie year that made me think I want to see more. I want to see him start 16 games get comfortable in a new system with a better coaching staff, et cetera, maybe some more weapons around him, a good defense, you know, because the defense wasn't good his rookie year. It should have been better, but it wasn't. And I thought that there was a chance. And I did say, I think the bus potential is super low now. I said that. And and I'm going to be wrong about that. But to say that I was all in on Dwayne Haskins is an exaggeration slash distortion of the truth slash white lie. By the way, I'm just looking. I'm trying. I don't even think it's a white. I don't even think it's a white lie. Okay. Um, no. I'm just trying to to find a quarterback here who's. You know, playoff record was zero and zero before he won his first Super Bowl. Um, but you really have to find somebody that's been in the league for a long time to really to to really do that um, the right way. So I don't know, Brad John. What was Brad Johnson in the playoffs before he won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay? He had played playoff games in Minnesota and Washington, actually. In right? Washington, yeah, he won a playoff. He won game. a playoff game in Washington and nearly won a second one. It's true. Uh, you're re- so let's let's um let's net this out. Number one, um, we're both a little bit you know you're perturbed. I am not nearly as perturbed, but I do find it interesting. But in, on some level, I you know can appreciate the excitement um, about a media base, both national and local, that all of a sudden believe that Washington's, you know, on, on their way to competing for the Super Bowl next year. And then the other thing to net out is on Ryan Fitzpatrick, I am, I'm all in on, this isn't just about fun. This is about a guy they believe can really give them a chance offensively um, which means, with what they think the defense will be next year, a chance to continue the forward momentum of of being a playoff team. They they believe, and I believe, that Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them a chance to be a playoff team next year. Now, again, and I think I think that's possible. Okay. Well, then, what do we disagree on in Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, we disagree on the crowning. I mean, I think I think it's. More likely, at his age, uh, that you know they look, it's, again. It depends on the rest. 
Look, they could be seven and nine again and win the division again, mm-hmm. and be a playoff team. Um. So if if you're talking seven and nine and, and another playoff, sure, that's certainly in the cards. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually. I think I may have found my answer here. Um, to everything. Oh That's no! What I'm looking God, for, not even, not everything. even, not even close. Rich Gannon, before getting the Raiders and quarterbacking the Raiders to a Super Bowl, had already started four playoff games. Wow. Interesting. He really was like an ultimate journeyman. Remember, he was in Washington. I know he was. <laughs> he played. Absolutely. He, when Mark Rippon got hurt in 93, they had Kerry Conklin and Rich Gannon. I believe that's true. It was Conklin and Ga- Ga- Gannon were the quarterbacks at quarterback that year, the Richie Pettibone year, before Rippon came back late in the year. Shouldn't have played, but did. Um but wow, Gannon um, in Oakland quarterbacked four playoff games before they made the Super Bowl run in uh, the 2002 uh, season. Yeah, you know what? I, I should have remembered that Gannon was the quarterback in the um, in the Tuck Rule game against the Patriots in the snow. Okay. All this said, Washington, from people who are smarter than me. Had an excellent free agency. Well, it's just uh, shopping list. They are right now in the PFF Pro Football Focus Improvement Index, number one in the league, even ahead of the Patriots. I Um, know, but we're the Patriots fill their card up. We're still very early in free agency. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot more to go, and there's a lot more to go potentially for this team. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, uh, and I will give you my thoughts on Curtis Samuel. Tommy will weigh in as well. We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Curtis Samuel in that game in December destroyed the Redskins. The Redskins. Sorry about that Washington football team. 
Um, destroyed them. Seven ca- uh, seven runs for 52 yards. Five catches for 106 yards. He had that 45-yard run, which you heard on the highlight coming in. Um, and then that big catch. Um, and he really was outstanding. This was the obvious guy that Washington was going to target. Trey Boston, another guy, you know, in, in the secondary for Carolina, people thought as well. But the Panther connection, Curtis Samuel, free agent, you know, a really uh, a friend of, of Terry McLaurin's from Ohio State. Um, and one of the things, Tommy, I always think about when a really good player leaves is, well, why did that team let him leave? You know, I, I always think that way. If somebody gets traded that's perceived to be really good, and especially with this organization over the years, well, if he's so good, why was he available? Um, you know, I, I'll never forget the first time I really felt that way was Donovan McNabb, the, the trade. That was the, that was the one time I got in trouble with the Red Zebra owning the radio station yeah. is Easter night going on ESPN and saying there's a red red flag on the trade for me. I don't see why Andy Reid would trade Donovan McNabb within the division if McNabb's still really good. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but anyway, um, so Curtis Samuel, you know, they weren't going to tag Curtis Samuel. And Curtis Samuel, off of a great year, wanted to hit free agency. And obviously Washington and his connections to not only the coaching staff, but to Terry McLaurin, um, you know, as an Ohio State guy and, you know, other Ohio State guys on the roster, uh, he wanted to be a part of this. I love the player. I really love the player. His versatility as a pass catcher, as a slot guy, which they needed. more. I think Steven Sims Jr. was a big disappointment last year. Samuel is versatile. He can play outside if you need him to. But the way Joe Brady used Curtis Samuel last year in Carolina was really, really creative. Samuel's always been a great, uh, a really good yards after catch guy, and a guy with the ball in his hands that can make things happen. He's he's a really good vision runner. He's got speed. He actually has more power than you would think. You know, for a guy, um, you know, who's five whatever, five ten and one ninety five whatever he is. He he runs with with ferocity. They lined him up in the backfield last year. Curtis Samuel had the best year of his career with Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback, but he ran the ball as a wide receiver 41 times in his season. I don't know well, that you I... you know, he went to... He, he, one thing, he's a Brooklyn guy. Went, he, he went to high school in Brooklyn at Erasmus. Right. High, the same school that Erasmus. Al Davis went to. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, I, I know that name, Erasmus High, in Brooklyn. Well, he averaged as a senior running back uh-huh. 16 yards a carry. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, a lot, it's unbelievable. A lot of high school. Yeah. You you see a lot of those stats in high school, though. You know, um, guys that rush for three hundred yards a game or whatever. Um, but he, they put him in the backfield, though, Tommy. Like he was running zone reads with Bridgewater. He was taking handoffs in the backfield as a running back. You you don't see that really in the NFL much with receivers. Most of the runs are fly sweep runs or reverses or, you know, and, and you'll get a, a couple. When, you, when you've when you had 41 carries, you've basically, you know, had two and a half carries a game as a wide receiver. 
you know, uh, over 16 but games. In college, he's the only player in Ohio State history to go over 1,000 yards in career in rushing and receiving. I know that. But he was a receiver the ball a lot there. in the NFL. Yes. You know, his first three year uh three years in the NFL, he had four carries, eight carries, and then and then nineteen carries. And then last year with Joe Brady, he had forty one. So that to see a wide receiver, you know, end up touching the ball that much as a running back. I'm not talking again about, you know, fly sweeps or shovels or reverses. I'm talking about he's lined up in the backfield for a lot of those runs. The run that we came in on, the highlight, he was in the backfield. It'll be interesting to see how Scott Turner uses him. Look, they needed more weapons offensively. They need a guy that can, first of all, get open from that slot position, which he can. He's a he's a, a, a nightmare of a matchup. He's got great hands. He's got good speed, good quickness, and he's very good after the catch. Terry McLaurin on the field. They need to have – they got to make sure that they've got – uh, their their answer at tight end, you know, in Logan Thomas. Certainly, he looked the part at times last year. And I'll tell you what, the quarterback that I am delusional about, he loves to throw to the tight end. So maybe there's another tight end that will be added. Maybe there's another receiver to be added. Um, but with Gibson and McKissick and McLaurin and now Curtis Samuel, and if you want to throw Logan Thomas into the mix. Um, throw somebody else in there that they may add, or maybe they like Kelvin Harmon, or maybe they think Cam Sims is a true number two, you know, uh, as a non-slot guy. Um, I like what's going on with this football team on offense. The quarterback, though, is important, and I think they have the answer in terms of a guy that will be able to run everything, run everything professionally, and by the way, also do a lot off schedule. I like I like Samuel. I like the money too. Three for thirty four. It's nothing over the top. I mean, you're talking about barely in the top fifteen of of wide receiver salaries. Uh, Twenty three million guaranteed is I think what Kime uh, reported. Um, really like the player. Three three straight nights. Uh, two straight nights of really liking the player and the upside of the player with Jackson and now Samuel, who's younger. Samuel's twenty four years old. You know, so they got two players basically entering their prime um, at decent prices. You know, a lot of people think the Jackson deal is cornerback two money. Samuel is certainly not, you know, wide receiver number one money, not elite wide receiver number one money. And so they've gotten good deals on players that they needed that can really help. And then they also got the soon-to-be 39-year-old quarterback that I think is going to play well next year. I love the uh, the signing of Samuel. I really do. Now, did Marty Herney draft him in Carolina? Did Marty Herney draft Curtis Samuel? Curtis Samuel was in the 2017, 2017 draft, and that may have been when Herney was back there for that for when he had come back, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Actually, no. No. Uh, Marty got hired in July of got rehired in July of 2017. In July of 2017, so that was after the 2017 draft. Yeah, so Gettleman would have drafted him. Okay. Okay, it's close though. Close, um, but obviously everybody in that organization super familiar with uh, with Curtis Samuel. I, I look, I'm not. I mean, I'll cheerlead. You know, I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I want them to do well, and I really feel good about the things they're doing. The, the problem, of course, is 
you know, they don't have the best quarterback situation. They've got an improved situation than it was earlier this week before they signed Fitzpatrick. They don't have the best offensive weaponry in the NFC. T- Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay going into next year um, in the NFC is going to be the big favorite. Tampa and 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 the Packers and probably the Rams and maybe and the Rams, yeah, yeah, with Matt Stafford, yeah. Let me just pull up the odds. Let's see if I'm right. Tampa's the favorite at plus 450, the Packers are plus 500, the Rams are plus 700, the 49ers are plus 800. Washington's way down the list. They've moved up the list after the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing. I told you this the other day, right, going back to our Fitzpatrick discussion, that Washington's odds in the division moved up significantly after the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So the boys in the desert, they maybe they're delusional too. Um, but they they shifted Washington from like a plus three fifty, you know, pick to finish third, up to the the easy pick to finish second behind Dallas. By the way, did you see what Mike? Oh, they they won the division this year. They're the defending division champ. Yeah, but Dallas got the quarterback. Why wouldn't back. they be high up? Well, because Dallas signed re-signed Dak Prescott, and I, I'm sure. So that makes them second now. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But they weren't second before Fitzpatrick. That's what I'm saying. They weren't. The Eagles were actually second in more of the futures uh, uh, opportunities out there than Washington was. The Giants in some of the – it was very, very close between Washington, New York, and Philly. Now it's not close. Washington is the clear-cut pick odds-wise to finish second in the division. Well ahead of the Giants and the Eagles. And they weren't before Monday. Again, you may not care about that, but – just another group of people you can throw into the, you know, too excited category of Orion Fitzpatrick. I think a second place finish in the NFC East is not too much excitement. I'm not talking about excitement or not. I'm talking about what was reflected from the boys in the desert after they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Washington went yes, from they, they are better. Yeah. They're better. Right. Well, actually, okay. actually, a lot, a, a lot better. They separated themselves clearly from New York and Philadelphia, which means they're telling you they think Washington with Fitzpatrick. Now, Washington's defense has something to do with this, but I'm not even. I would even say that they probably think Washington's quarterback situation is the second best quarterback situation in the division. By the way, did you see what Mike Greenberg did on his show yesterday? Get up in the morning on ESPN. I heard about it. He made a comment that he doesn't understand that now that Ryan Fitzpatrick is in Washington, we talked about the national pundits um, take that why Washington isn't a prohibitive favorite to win the division. Well, they're not. (laughs) The reason they're not is because Prescott and the Cowboys offensively uh, appear to be, you know, really, really good. But Washington's defense. It's going to be better than Dallas's defense. Maybe for God, when was the last time Washington Dallas picked one two in the division? Maybe these games next year between the two, a rekindling of the rivalry. Anything they certainly weren't that great this time around. I mean, unless if you're a Washington fan, then you love them. I love Curtis Samuel, the signing. I love the deal. I think he is going to be a big addition, a big help. 
Carolina, uh, you know, I'm sure didn't want to see him go, but I think this is one of those deals where they weren't going to use a tag on Samuel, and more importantly, they probably understood that Washington was where he wanted to go. I think he wanted to be back with Scott Turner, with Ron Rivera, with his good friend Terry McLaurin, Ohio State buddy, et cetera, and that's where he is. So uh, kudos on another big night last night in free agency. Maybe maybe there's another one to come. All right, um, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I've got a smell test pick for tonight's first four action, and we will do some bracket uh, discussion uh, as well. Right after this word from one of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this segment is sponsored by MyBookie. March is here. The madness is beginning tonight. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from the 63 tournament games in the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for the player and game prop opportunities. MyBookie has you covered. You need to use my promo code, though, KevinDC. Sign up at MyBookie.com. AG today. Use my promo code KevinDC and you will secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, KevinDC is the promo code you need to use that will ensure that they know I hooked you up and they'll give you a security bonus up to $1,000. The tournament starts tonight. I've got a pick coming up. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, in-game action, props on the tournament, and you can obviously get involved in this $10,000 cash prize my bookie bracket contest as well. That one's only a dollar to enter. MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC. Um, all right, before we get to uh, our brackets, I love a game tonight. Um, I got a text from an offshore friend of mine who said one of the biggest decisions we will need in this tournament is in one of the first four games tonight and that decision is they're going to need UCLA tonight plus two against Michigan State Michigan State 
is, you know, it's Tom Izzo, it's Michigan State, it's March. They got into the tournament. They beat three, two number one seeds and a number two seed in the last two and a half weeks. And everybody assumes that Michigan State is going to to destroy UCLA. And they're very surprised that Michigan State is just a two-point favorite. UCLA tonight as a smell test pick in the NCAA tournament plus the two. I love Izzo. <clears throat> this is the worst talent assembly uh, assemblage of talent that Izzo's had at Michigan State in a long time. They play hard. They're physical. They did beat Ohio State. They did beat Michigan. Um, they did beat um, Illinois. I mean, that's two number one seeds and a number two seed. They also got blown out by Maryland twice in a week and a half. Um, they're inconsistent. They struggle at times to really score. Um, I've watched UCLA enough. They're capable. They got beat in the in the Pac-12 tournament, unfortunately. Um, but uh, Mick Cronin does a good job there. I think they can win the game. But really, uh, analyzing this game is obviously not what the smell test is about. The smell test looks for those games in which the public is absolutely convinced they're right and that Vegas has erred on a point spread. They never err on a point spread. Michigan State's minus two. UCLA plus two is the smell test selection tonight. I would also lean in the direction of Drake tonight, minus two against Wichita. That's not an official play. I will be playing Drake minus two, and I will be playing UCLA plus two uh, tonight. Um, By the way, if I didn't mention this yesterday on the show, I had Dan Engelstadt, who is the head coach at Mount St. Mary's, on the radio show yesterday. He was great. Um, They're playing the first game tonight. Uh, They play Texas Southern in the 16 versus 16, one of the two first four 16 versus 16 matchups. Um, He is a a local, went to uh, my alma mater, Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda, and uh, has been coaching for a while and is doing a really good job at Mount St. Mary's. Anyway, uh, we'll get to the brackets uh, right after this word from one of our sponsors. All right, uh, let's do some bracket talk. So you've filled out a bracket. I have filled out a bracket. Let me just explain what I've done. Okay. I didn't actually fill out a physical bracket. Oh. What What I did was I went through the bracket and I wrote out uh, on paper Mm -hmm. who I picked in various games. So I may be all over the place here in terms of games. So you're going to have to uh, bear with me. Oh, boy. So you don't have a bracket in front of you. You're not looking at your bracket. No. <laughs> okay. You name the game. Well, I don't want to do it go game ahead. by game. Start. I, w- I want to go through the region and find out you know, if you have any upsets based on seeding rather than going game by game. Okay. Okay. Can we do it that way okay. or are you not set up to do it that way? Um, I'll, I'll try to do it that way. Okay, well, in the West region, which is the region where Gonzaga is the number one seed, do you see that region? Okay, hang on a second. God, Jesus. Gonzaga. He told me, before, he told me during the break. Yes, he I had a bracket. It. He was ready to go. Well, I, I don't. I, you didn't let me finish. Oh. All right. This ain't going to work. In the this game, ain't going to work. In, yes, it, well, it's not going to work if you don't have a bracket filled out in front of you where you can see the games that are being played by region. 
Do you see the region where Gonzaga is the one seed at the top of their quadrant, and at the bottom, Iowa is the two seed? Do you see that or not? The West region. I don't even know yeah. what you're looking at. Do you want to? T- this is the NCAA tournament we're talking about. I know that wise ass March Madness. In that bracket, in the fir- in the eight games that will be played in the round of sixty-four, do you have Ohio. any? Ah, there we go. Good job, Ohio. A thirteen over a four. Any other upsets based on seeding? Uh, let me see here. Uh, Michigan State over Texas. Okay, well, that, that's further down the road. We're just looking at the, the, the okay. first round here, and you're in the wrong okay. region anyway. That's that's okay. the East region. <laughs> this is great. Okay, so I gave you one. Ohio. <clears throat> okay. In the West region, I've got Gonzaga winning their first round game. The rest of the bracket, yeah. I've got a 9 over an 8, Missouri over Oklahoma. I have a 13 over a 4, Tommy. I like Ohio's chances to beat Virginia. Jason Preston is one of the best stories of the entire tournament. I like Ohio to upset Virginia. Um, I like the Wichita-Drake winner tonight, and I think it's going to be Drake to upset USC. And um, I like VCU as a 10 to beat Oregon. Those are my seed upsets. By the way, I typically... In the West. In the West, uh, West region, yes. Now, moving forward, okay, in, in, moving forward in that region, I've got Gonzaga over Missouri in a second-round game, Creighton over Ohio in a second-round game, Kansas over Drake in a second-round game, and Iowa over VCU to get to my Sweet 16. What are your Sweet 16 matchups in that region? Are you able to find them? Yeah, I've got Ohio over Creighton. Okay. I've got Wichita State over Kansas. Okay. Good one. There we go. So you've got an and, I uh, – And what else? Yeah, that's it. that's it. So your Sweet 16 matchups, you've got Iowa against Wichita State and Gonzaga against Ohio. Give me your winner. Who wins? Yes. Who wins there? Those two games. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. <laughs> I've got to check with all my notes here. Oh my God, notes! Why don't you just have a bracket in front of you? God. Now what's the? Uh... You have Gonzaga playing Ohio in a Sweet 16 game, and you have Wichita playing. Iowa in a Sweet 16 game. Who wins those games to advance to the Elite Eight in that Gonzaga region? Gonzaga and Iowa. Oh, there we go. Okay, and then from that matchup, who get, who makes it to the Final Four? Gonzaga. All right, very good. I've got Gonzaga over Creighton in a Sweet 16 game, Iowa over Kansas in a Sweet 16 game, and I, too, have Gonzaga beating Iowa to get to the Final Four. All right, can we move to, if you don't mind, um, the East region, which is where you already jumped the gun with the Texas pick, 
or the Michigan State, you know, over Texas pick. Can we go to the East region? Michigan's the one seed. And can you see those eight games to give me any upsets of lower-seeded teams over higher-seeded teams? You've already got the Michigan State-UCLA winner beating BYU, right? Yes. Yeah. Anything else? Yes, I do. Anything else? I've got St. Bonnie uh, beating LSU. Okay. I have Georgetown beating Colorado. Okay. And uh, I have uh, that's it. Okay. We have some. We have a few of them that are similar. I like St. Bonaventure over LSU. I like the I, I like probably UCLA based on my smell test pick to beat BYU. The winner of that game, though, I like advancing over BYU, and I've got Maryland as a ten over UConn. I don't feel great about that game. All right, we'll do more on that game tomorrow. I'll have a sort of a, a, a preview of the game. It, it's not the seven that I wanted to face as a ten. It's a tough matchup, but. Uh, the public seems to love UConn in this game, so I'll go with Maryland to advance. All right, in your second-round games, all right, you got Michigan beating St. Bonaventure? Uh, yes. Do you have uh, Florida State beating Georgetown or Georgetown beating Florida State? Georgetown. All right, you got Georgetown into the Sweet 16. Um, the yes. Mi- Michigan State UCLA, and I think you think it's Michigan State against Texas. Who makes it to the Sweet 16 out of that game? Texas. Okay, and then I've and then you've got UConn against Alabama. Who advances there? Alabama. All right, I've got Michigan. I've got Florida State. I've got Texas, and I've got Maryland beating Alabama. Let me just tell you right now, whether it's UConn or Maryland, I think the winner of that game has a legit shot to upset Alabama. I think UConn would have a better chance of beating Alabama, but I think Maryland's got a chance to beat Alabama as well. All right, your Sweet 16 in the East region is Michigan against Georgetown in a in a Sweet 16 game. Who wins that game? Michigan. And then you've got Texas and Alabama. Who wins that game? Hold on one second. Oh, my God. This is remarkable. He's, he's right there. He's right there following it. Hold on. Who did he pick? What are the, what are, take a picture a of what you're looking Where, at. Wait a minute. Back up here. Oh, boy. You had, Michi- you had Michigan State, didn't you? No. No, 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 no. Back up where? Where, where would you where, like me to back up Texas to? Texas Tech. It's a different region, Tommy. We're, we're in the east. Okay. Yeah, We haven't gotten to the Texas Tech region yet. Please oh, okay. please take a picture of what you, whatever the hell it is you're looking at. No, I'm not. I really, want to, know, I really want to know what you're looking at. So ask Seriously. me the question again. Well, you, ha- you, you had again. Michigan beating Georgetown, Texas or right. Alabama to face Michigan in the Elite Eight. Texas plays Alabama in your bracket. Who wins that game? Alabama. Okay. And then Michigan-Alabama, who do you have in the Final Four? Michigan. Okay, good. So far, two of your Final Four teams on one side of the bracket, you've got a Gonzaga-Michigan Final Four game. You know, I've got... 
I got Michigan be- beating uh, uh, St. Bonaventure. I got Michigan beating Florida State. I've got Texas beating Maryland. I've got Michigan beating Texas. And I also have two number ones, Gonzaga against Michigan in the Final Four in Indianapolis. All right, let's go to the other side of the draw. And we'll start with the South okay. region, which is where Baylor is the number one seed, and Texas Tech is in this region. Do you have any upsets by seed in the first round? Uh, in the first round, no. None. I have several. <clears throat> I've got Wisconsin as a nine over North Carolina and eight. I have Utah State over Texas Tech and 11 over a six. And I lied. I don't have several. Those are the two. All right, let's move to the second round where you've got. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have Wisconsin over North Carolina. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Um, average minds think alike. All right. So, Baylor, Wisconsin. Who wins that game? Baylor. I think Wisconsin pulls an upset. Villanova, okay. Purdue. Who wins that game? Villanova, Purdue. Let me see. Who do I have? Villanova or Purdue? Who do I have in that? <laughs> oh my God, this is unbelievable! I, I honestly, I, I could Purdue. I could do I've better with Villanova. a five year old. This should, I've got Villanova. This should be you know the Oscar Michael scene where he where Michael's asking about the lemonade stand and says, "Explain it to me oh, like I'm eight. Stop, I, explain stop it to talking. me like I'm five. Stop talking and back it up. And then explain okay. it to me like, oh, no, no, I think I got it. We we have a surplus. I got We've Col- got a surplus. Back, stop. Back it up. I've got Colgate over Arkansas. In the first <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. All right. So okay. you've got Baylor against, did you say Nova or Purdue? I've got Baylor against uh, Nova. Okay. I've got Wisconsin against Purdue in the Sweet 16 there. So now we now we move to you've got Texas Tech against Colgate. Who wins that game? Texas Tech. I have Utah State against Arkansas. I've got Arkansas winning that game. We both have Florida against Ohio State in the second round. I have Ohio State advancing. Who do you have advancing in that game? I have Ohio State advancing. Okay. So we have um, we have a bunch of differences here, all right? We have uh, up top, you've got Baylor against Nova. Who advances to the Elite Eight? Baylor. I've got uh, Purdue beating Wisconsin to advance to the Elite Eight. And then I have Ohio State over Arkansas. You have who, who advancing from the Elite Eight there? Go over that again. What was the last one? Oh, I have Ohio State beating Arkansas to get to the Elite Eight. I think you have Ohio State. I have Ohio State. Okay. Ohio State. So you've got Ohio State, Baylor, right? Who advances to the Final Four? Who advances to the Final Four? That's the key. Who advances to the Final Four? Did you have Baylor? You had you had Baylor beating Villanova, right? I'm really st- right. St- I've got I'm, Baylor. I'm to the point where I'm not paying attention to you anymore. I have Baylor. Okay, so Baylor's in the Final Four. I've got Purdue beating Ohio State, and I've put in Purdue into the Final Four. So you have three number ones right now 
Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor in the Final Four. I have two number ones, Gonzaga and Michigan, and a number four seed, Purdue, in the Final Four. Now, thankfully, we are in our final quarter of the draw. Um, it, it's the it's the part of the draw with Illinois, Tommy, is a one. Houston's down there at the bottom is a two. In the first round... Yeah, so do you have any um, upsets by seed? I've got Syracuse. Okay. And I've got Rutgers. Uh, and you've got Rutgers. Now, just so everybody understands this, we're doing it by seed. Rutgers is actually favored in that game, um, but we're doing it by seed here. I have right. I have Georgia Tech, despite the injury to Moses Wright, which we just found out about that, you know, late last night, the Georgia Tech, the ACC Player of the Year, Moses Wright is out for the first game against Loyola Chicago. One of my favorite players in the draw, however, is still playing, Jose Alvarado. I still have Georgia Tech as a nine over Loyola Chicago. Uh, I have Syracuse as well beating San Diego State, and that's all I have. So now in the second round, you've Wait got... Wait a minute. Back it up. Back it up. I have Georgia Tech. Okay. The, the nines uh, and eights are stumpers. The nines over the eights have been the stumpers for you. Um, I have Georgia Tech over Loyola. Yeah, because that's the second time you've... Well, wait, wait a minute, because you had St. Bonaventure, and we came back to that one, and then Wisconsin, we came back to that one as well. Unfortunately, um, you, you're now... No, thanks, thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom, for taking the time to do this. You didn't have to do this, but it's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Well, well, go ahead. Uh, you, you know what? I would have thought about thanking you had you been as prepared as you said you were <laughs> during the, the break before this segment. So um, now we move into the second round in that region. I have Illinois over Georgia Tech uh, advancing to the Sweet 16. I'm assuming you have the same. Yes. And then we both have Tennessee and Oklahoma State playing in the second round. I have Oklahoma State advancing. You have? I have Oklahoma State advancing. Then we both have Syracuse playing West Virginia in a second round game. I have West Virginia winning that game. Who do you have winning that game? I have Syracuse. And then we we do not have a similar game at the bottom. I have Houston playing Clemson and Houston advancing. You have Houston playing Rutgers. Who wins that game? I have uh, Rutgers. All right. Rutgers against Syracuse, Tommy, for the Elite Eight. Who wins that game? Okay. That's an old uh, Big East game. Rutgers. All right, uh, I've got West. I've got Houston over West Virginia there, and then we both have Illinois, Oklahoma State. I have Illinois advancing. Who do you have advancing to the Elite Eight out of that game? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. All right, I've got Illinois beating Houston to make the Final Four. Who advances to the Final Four? Illinois Rutgers in a Big Ten matchup. Illinois. Okay. There we go. You went with pure chalk across the board. Four number ones, Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, and Illinois. I went almost chalk across the board for the Final Four. Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, but I've got Purdue in the Final Four. I've got three Big Ten teams making the Final Four. Gonzaga, Michigan, who makes it to the Final Uh, Gonzaga. I've got Gonzaga as well. 
I've got Illinois versus Purdue. You've got Illinois versus Baylor. I've got Illinois in the final. Who do you have, Illinois or Baylor? Illinois. Illinois and Gonzaga. We have arrived at the championship Monday night game, and we both have the same matchup, which, by the way, it seems like the entire country has Illinois-Gonzaga, which makes me believe that it won't happen. I have Illinois winning the national championship, beating Gonzaga in a thrilling high-scoring final. Who wins it for you? I'm going to guess it's Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga becoming the first NCAA team to go undefeated and win that national national championship since uh, Indiana in 1976. That's the most and the longest sentence you've provided throughout this segment. Do you have that one written down? No. It was in your you know, head. It I was may in your be head. on to something here. You could be a slave of, of the bracket. You, you could be one of the drones who does the thing that they publish in the newspaper. Right. Or you can be creative, like I did. Well, what was creative about what you did? And write and require some thought. What was creative about what you did? It was completely disheveled and disorganized. Was that creative? Was it well, just like a piece of art that people look at and say somebody just threw some paint onto a canvas? Well, you don't know anything about art. <laughs> the second thing is... <laughs> I, know more about thing, it. I know more about it than you do. No, you don't. I bet I do. No, you don't. I bet I know. I bet you don't. Okay, go ahead. Okay, ask me the anything. Second thing is, if you did, if you did it the way I did it, it wouldn't be so disheveled. <laughs> okay, you're the one with the problem. If I had asked you to lead this conversation, we'd be we wouldn't even be a quarter of the way through it. Ask me anything about Vincent Van Gogh. Anything. Who is uh, he? I'm not familiar with his work. <laughs> Which ear did he cut? Which year did he cut? Which year did he cut what? His ear? Is that what you were trying to come up with? Is this another way for you to describe your bracket uh, in shorthand? Um, which year did he cut his ear off? I have no idea. 1890s, 1880s. Look at you. Look at you. Googling for his ear. I'm not Googling, actually. I'm not Googling at all. If I Googled, I would have given you the date. Um... Let's look to see when. Oh, come on. No, that doesn't count now. It's over. Finished. You're right. It is. Either you know it or you don't. What's, what you're it, the one who threw out. What was you're the, the one who threw out Van Gogh. What was the, what was the date? Uh, January 5th, uh, 1842. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, then why That's did you. Simple answer. You can't. Don't Which ask. ear? Don't, don't ask. You couldn't even. You didn't even remember that it was his ear. Yes, I did remember it was his ear. But you just asked the question said, creatively. Which ear did he cut? You a- you asked the which... question in the same way that you you described who you had in the bracket. Just a well, little bit confused. That's because I'm an I, I, I'm an artist. That's why <laughs> you're so creative. Um, yes. All right, that was so much fun. God, uh, let's do that again with the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, boys and girls, I think we're done for the day. Uh, that was such a blast. Uh, back tomorrow with Cooley. We'll get Cooley's thoughts on Curtis Samuel. And uh, Tommy will be back with me next week when we have our Sweet 16 teams uh, all determined on Tuesday of next week. More Th- art to come. <laughs> yeah, more art to come. Uh, just not with your eye, your hands, or your brush. Uh, thank you, Tommy, very much. Have a good day. Thank you.
boss. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.